And now it's time for the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, featuring health news, opinion, and insight from Wesley Chapel's concierge medicine physician, Dr. Tommy McElroy. And thank you for joining us today. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. I'm Dr. Tommy McElroy. I'm a concierge medicine physician in Wesley Chapel, Florida, and the name of our practice is Echelon Health. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, concierge medicine is all-inclusive medical care for one yearly fee, and we do not bill insurance at all. We deal directly with our patients and it allows us to have the flexibility to meet their needs and also to give them the very uh, most attention that we can give them without any distractions. And today I'm very happy to have in the office Aaron Davis, who is a law clerk at Rotella Legal Group. And uh, I came across an article that she had written and saw it on LinkedIn. It was about accountable care organizations and uh, Affordable Care Act. And I thought it would be a very good for her to come in and talk to us about accountable care organizations and uh, w- what they mean to medicine and patients in general. Erin, uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. And Erin is a law clerk and actually graduates from Stetson Law tomorrow. Is that correct? That is correct. I graduate tomorrow from Stetson University College of Law. But I've been working for Rotella Legal Group, which goes by RLG, for a year now. And RLG acts as outside in-house counsel for healthcare companies. So you haven't always been in the legal profession. What, What made you decide to get involved with law? Prior to deciding to go to law school, I worked for an international staffing firm for a few years. And what I did for them was sales and recruiting. And we always had to deal with the in-house team at our corporate office. So I wanted to go to law school to be able to do the in-house type of work and deal with contracts and negotiation. And I had an interest in healthcare because my mom uh, has been an ICU nurse for over 20 years now. So that's where the healthcare piece came in. And RLG just luckily fell in my lap last year and it's been great ever since. Well, that's awesome. Uh, tell us something about your article was on accountable care organizations. Tell us what is an accountable care organization. An accountable care organization is basically a group of healthcare providers, hospitals, physicians, um, specialists that come together and try to treat a group of patients and keep them healthy in order to keep their costs low. So is that kind of like an HMO then, it sounds like? It is similar to an HMO. Um, There have been many comparisons to HMOs. The difference that some people have been using to distinguish ACOs from HMOs is that ACOs allow you to go outside of the ACO network if you choose to. Mm -hmm. And uh, so tell us, you know, in your article, you're talking about the accountable care organization. It's supposed to be to minimize costs. But when you're minimizing costs, that's a potential detriment to the patient's uh, best interest. Absolutely. And that is one of the risks that I've I've seen. And in my work with RLG, working with healthcare providers, um, we've had to actually look at the text of the Affordable Care Act and understand what the repercussions could be with these accountable care organizations. And there is a risk that um, providers, whether or not they mean to be doing so, they could ration care because they do want to keep the costs low. And um, that is one of the potential risks that an ACO presents. And uh, as far as your, as far as you know, what is some of the uh, ramifications that the laws already had that may be intended or unintended consequences in regards to uh, costs and things of that nature? Under several Obama-related regulations, President Obama-related regulations, 
electronic health records requirement, mm-hmm. healthcare providers are penalized for not properly um, recording electronically. And that cost is incredible to someone who might just be practicing on their own. So there are many costs under the Affordable Care Act because of the number of regulations that providers are required to comply with. And and so it's Affordable Care Act, and it's kind of like one of those things that we always talk about and you know, Orwellian speak almost as uh, the opposite of what it is, a ministry of truth, uh, ministry of love, and things like that. So Affordable Care Act, many people think is unaffordable care act, and I've seen that uh, all over the place. Uh, we're here on the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. We're talking with Aaron about uh, ACOs and uh, the Affordable Care Act. And when we return, we're going to get a little bit more into some of the details of uh, what she's found in her studies. And this Ask Dr. Tommy Show, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, there's no doubt you have questions about what happens in concierge medicine. More specifically, what would it look like if you did something similar too? I want to tell you about a gathering place where you can find answers to those questions and others and learn just what exactly these types of doctors do. On August 12 and 13 in Atlanta, Georgia, the 2016 Concierge Medicine Assembly hosted by Concierge Medicine Today is a place where you can be creative for a few short hours explore those what-if questions, and interact with other physicians kneecap to kneecap who've rescued their career and live to talk about it. To learn more, visit conciergemedicineassembly.com. We hope to see you in Atlanta this fall. And thank you for joining us again. This is Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and I'm in the office here with Aaron Davis, who is going to tell us a little bit more about you know, you had a very good visual in the article that I read, and it was about um, the iceberg. It's the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing now. So there's a lot more to it than just what we've seen so far. Tell us a little bit more about what you find in your studies. So in the article, I only hit the tip of the iceberg, uh, introducing these accountable care organizations and why they're attractive to um, new physicians coming into the profession and why they're risky because they don't offer all the things that they seem to offer. And what most people don't know about the Affordable Care Act is that it does have these accountable care organizations. And not only is the government entering into these contractual relationships, but there's also private insurers that are also entering into the accountable care organization type of um, field. But the issue is, is that there are so many more patients under the Affordable Care Act and so many less physicians that there's going to be a shortage of physicians where all of these patients need care. And under the Affordable Care Act and the Accountable Care Organizations, there's almost 33 benchmarks that these physicians are measured on in order to be considered successful or being productive. Being productive physician under these accountable care organizations. So there's a wealth of patients and there's a shortage of physicians Mm -hmm. and there's no way that with that calculation, there could be good care under the Affordable Care Act. So what are some of these things that that they think a physician should measure us on, these 33 that you talk about? Some of the, I wish I had them in front of me, but some of them include if someone has diabetes, Mm -hmm. that specific patient, depending on their health, Um, depending on their blood sugar levels, 
uh, because the physician has to report that, that's one of the factors that will be used to determine whether that physician's doing his his or her job. So let's say this. Let's say you're a physician and you're doing a very good job, diligent job, and you have a lot of sick patients and you're really helping them the best you can and you've actually improved them. But according to the uh, little chart that they have, you you didn't bring their sugar down to what is considered what they think is a, a good number. <clears throat> you may be penalized as a physician for doing excellent work. Exactly, exactly. And another point that you just touched on is that you are trying to care for so many patients. So you you have to limit the amount of time you're able to spend with your patients because you have to get to all of these patients that are under insurance because of Obamacare and because of the shortage of physicians, there's no other way than to only spend, I think one article I read said that on average, a physician spends eight minutes with these patients. Yeah, eight minutes and probably most of that's their back uh, while the pay, uh, doctor's furiously typing away at the keyboard to get these 33 uh, um records under under uh, undocumented so that they can get paid then exactly and and it's not what um, doctors want and there there have been many physicians that have been leaving these these groups because mm-hmm. they finally not finally realized but they realized that they just can't do it it's not what they went to medical school for but unfortunately there are I have a different perspective being in law school mm-hmm all of these students that are coming out of medical school are in tons of debt. So it would be a lot more attractive to go to these groups that you're an employee of and you only have to go to work and do your your job rather than go out on your own and do something like you're doing, Dr. Tommy, and be able to spend time with patients. Um, But it's more risky. So students aren't necessarily going to do that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, for, for a graduate of a medical school to go out on their own, and try to a work in the insurance field and then try to get some type of meaningful contract whereas you get paid enough to even keep the lights on it's i think it's near impossible i think the really in today's day and age the only way that you can practice unless you're doing uh, fee-for-service or direct care of concierge medicine type practice is to join a big group and maybe that's by design right and i think that is the biggest part of the iceberg that we don't see is that these students are going into medical school um, and they're introduced to these types of groups while they're in medical school, while they're doing their residencies. And while it's good that we have students going through medical school, there's still going to be a shortage of physicians and we need to find a way to encourage students to get involved in the medical field while also providing care to patients. And I think under the Affordable Care Act, there's so many regulations that it's not going to be able to happen because there isn't enough competition to encourage students or other physicians to take risks and do their own thing. So when you say there's not enough competition, expand upon that a little bit more. So there isn't enough competition and it's going to continue to um, be that way under the Affordable Care Act and these accountable care organizations. So more physicians are just going into the same usual high volume, uh, low patient satisfaction, low physician satisfaction type of jobs. And, you know, I think maybe that going to be a detriment to uh, physician or uh, students even wanting to go into medicine in the first place. Absolutely. It's it's a detriment to the students who, who want to go to medical school because they want to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
they aren't given that time under this amount of regulations because they're going to be worried about being penalized instead of being worried about giving the right kind of care to their patients. Um, But there's actually an article that I read that said in 2014, 95 American hospitals merged or were acquired. And at the same time, the percentage of physician practices owned by hospitals doubled Mm -hmm. from about 30% to nearly 60%. And that's just evidence that um, a lot of these physicians that have been okay doing it on their own because of all of these regulations are having to make the hard decision to sell their practice and just become an employee of a hospital because that's just how they're going to go about living. Yeah. I think the days, like we said earlier, of a, a independent family doctor is probably very, very numbered unless you're doing concierge medicine or direct care. I actually was talking with uh, Rob Klein, who's a frequent guest on our show, and he was saying that in his uh, area of town where he lives in New York, it's hard to find a doctor who's not part of a big hospital corporation. I believe that because I'm sure in New York, the cost of living is is giant and um, it's attractive because it's a lot more stability and it would be attractive to anyone who wants to have that stable income and not have to worry about overhead, not have to worry about paying employers or paying bills. Um, it's just unfortunate because most people don't go to medical school to just go through the motions and uh, enter electronic records. They go to medical school to help people and to care for people. And so it's it's sad. And hopefully there are more people that are willing to take more risks, such as you and other doctors that I'm aware of who have gone into the concierge medicine or direct primary care. Well, let's, let's take a break now. And then when we come back, we'll talk about some more of those things. So what's the direction that we can go on a positive way to help patients, help doctors, reduce the amount of frustration, reduce the headaches, reduce the long waits in waiting rooms, and and maybe have a more uh, restore humanity to the uh, medical profession. This is Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and when we return, we'll be back with Aaron, and we'll be talking more about uh, the future of medicine. When it comes to healthcare, Americans pay as much as 10 times more than patients in other countries. Isn't it time we demand better? To find surgery pricing, and to learn more about our specialists, visit surgerycenterok.com. And thank you for joining us again. This is Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and I'm in the office here with Aaron Davis. And uh, you know, before the the physicians who are driving into work this morning or take a you know go right off the causeway to say you know forget about it. I'm not going to even go into work today. Let's, let's bring it back and say, okay, well, those are the problems. What are the solutions? How can we fix it? There are a few solutions. Um, in the bigger picture, it would be the responsibility of the government to change the way things work. Um, shifting funding back to the states would be one great way for the states to have a little bit more control. And if you think about it, um, someone's health in the state of Florida and how to manage that is going to be entirely different than someone's health and how to manage it in the state of Maine. So it makes sense to give that power back to the states. Right. Do, do federalism, like what our country was founded on. Exactly. Not big centralized, uh, big brother healthcare. Exactly. Because now you have, there's more state responsibility and there can be more collaboration within the states rather than everything coming from Washington, D.C. Another thing would be to incentivize rather than penalize physicians for using electronic healthcare records. And one big thing that, that 
triggers in my mind when I think about electronic health records is the issues that have been involved with um, all of this malware and ransomware recently, um, where companies... That I saw are, a whole hospital was shut down exactly, from ransomware. Exactly. And that's a big issue because... In, in that instance where there's a requirement, a legal requirement that you have your patient records online or mm-hmm. in an electronic record, if something happens to those records and a patient needs something, you can't access it. So electronic records, while it's nice because it is convenient and it's easier to report things to the government, there's also reasons why it shouldn't be required necessarily and mm-hmm. you shouldn't be penalized for not meeting all of the little benchmarks that they look at. And the, the last thing that would probably be the best fix right now or the quickest is for physicians to get involved in more um, services such as, such as you, doing the concierge type of medicine, the direct primary care, and maybe even grouping up with other physicians that are doing that instead of requiring um, patients to go to these accountable care organizations or um, operating under HMOs or requiring a patient to have insurance. Yeah, what I'd like to see is, uh, to your point about um, a separate, it's a kind of a separate tract, you know, uh, a tract where if you don't want to be involved with all these uh, burdensome requirements and maybe patients who pay uh, cash or the equivalent of cash for the health savings account are high deductible, they shouldn't have to be forced to go into these uh, high volume practices where people uh, are paying with insurance and maybe a part of a accountable care organization and uh, not getting the quality of service they want. They should be able to choose something different, you know, and that's kind of what we do is direct care and, pri- and concierge medicine. And, you know, there's Surgery Center of Oklahoma, which is a cash only hospital. And they, they offer patients a way out, essentially, a way to get away from some of the uh, or a lot of the burdens that are put on an insurance-based practice. And it's not the insurance-based practice's fault. It's the system that they're in. They're kind of like a prisoner. Uh, one of the things, too, is that, you know, talking about electronic health records, our electronic health, health record is great. We have an electronic health record called Atlas MD. Atlas MD is entirely based upon doctor's input, patient input, zero input from Washington, D.C. So there's nothing in Atlas MD that was written into law that says it has to be there. And so, our, and because of that, that Atlas MD is extremely useful for us. There's, there's so many different boxes that are gone. We're transitioning now from our old EMR to Atlas MD. And the simplicity of it is very striking. It's, it's, and that's, that's because it's built for patients, built for doctors, and not to satisfy some type of, uh, uh, you know, lobbyist group requirement from Washington, D.C., or some type of uh, other thing that is built to track people's uh, health so that they can then adjust federal dollars and blah, blah, blah. So it's it's another thing is, you know, involve the free market, let the free market work, go back to back to the states, federalism. And if, and if, if California wants to have a very centralized uh, you know, high, however they want to run theirs, that's different than the way Texas wants to run it. And Texas is different than the way Florida wants to run it. And every everybody wins. Uh, the citizens get to put their input in, like you're saying. Exactly. And the citizens will get to, to put their input in and there will be more options. And when there's more options, there's competition. And when there's competition, that requires other people to be creative with their pricing. So competition is good for the market. And under these regulations 
competition isn't able to thrive. So being able to have an option to have a direct primary care physician or to have a concierge um, medical provider, that's a great option. And hopefully more physicians and those students who are still in medical school will will find a mentor and try to go that route because that- Or at least be exposed to it. Or at least be exposed to it. You know, because when I was in medical school, the idea of anything to have to do with business was uh, was dis- was held in disdain. So the our professors and uh, um, teachers were didn't even they told us if we even thought about profit or any type of profit motive, that that was that was taboo. But the reality is, is profit uh, is only there to uh, improve things. The only way that, like I covered before, the only reason that a person in New York City can have potatoes is because a farmer in Idaho makes some money by sending potatoes to New York City. The, the farmer in Idaho could care one whit if New Yorkers had potatoes, but because he can make money off of it, that's why New Yorkers get to eat potatoes. And so if you had... Uh, like you were saying, a broader market where there was more services provided and where there's potential able to satisfy people more and hence make more money and make more profit, you might have offices that had shorter wait periods. You may have offices where if you call, they'll actually answer the phone and, uh, you know, get back to you in a reasonable amount of time. So I think you're right. Uh, We have to increase the uh, number of uh, varieties of practices out there and the cream will rise to the top. If it happens to be the one Washington, D.C. mandates, then so be it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's right. And and just one last thing. You said that profit is a good thing, and profit is a good thing. And if you're running your own business, you have to have profits in order to run that business. And if you have price transparency like you have as a concierge provider, um, then there won't be any issues with patients wondering what they're going to be paying. So um, it makes it a lot happier for the patient and for the provider because the provider is able to spend time with the patient and the patient is able to know what it's going to cost and also know that they're receiving the best care out there. Yeah, in their best interest. Um when you graduate, what do you have coming up this summer? You're, you got to study for the bar, uh, the bar, and then then what? After graduation, I will be still with RLG because my boss is great, and he's offered me a position there. So I will be continuing on with them. Congratulations. As, thank you. I will be an associate general counsel, so I'll work with um, some of our clients on um, an array of issues that come up on a daily basis. And tell us, how do we find out about your company? If you'd like to find out about our company, go to www.rotellalegalgroup.com, although we are launching a new website very shortly, and that will be under www.lawyerdifferently.com. Lawyer Differently. Lawyer Differently. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and we look forward to maybe having you back sometime after the board, after the bar studies are done when you have uh, more free time, but we really appreciate it. and. We could also follow you on LinkedIn, right? Absolutely. Aaron Brennan Davis. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Dr. Tommy. You're welcome. And for everybody out there listening, please uh, follow us on iTunes. You can also get us on Stitcher and now tune in. And also always on AskDrTommy.com where you can have the latest in the podcast, also written commentary. And then we have a new section called Tech where you can learn about podcasting gear and other types of uh, electronic equipment. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. For more show news and information, go to AskDrTommy.com and be sure to follow Dr. Tommy on Facebook at Echelon Health and on Twitter at Tampa Direct Care. To learn more about Echelon Health Concierge Medicine Practice, visit Echelon Health online at TampaDirectCare.com.